1: Welcome to Turning Hard Times Into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to
2: Turning Hard Times Into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, wishing you all a happy, healthy, and prosperous 2019. I'm speaking to you from New York City here on the 8th day of January 2019. As always, I do like to remind you, that I'm the editor of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks, and you can subscribe to that letter by going to miningstocks.com, miningstocks.com, and quite frankly, I'm, I'm very optimistic about the kinds of items, uh, the recommendations that are made in my newsletter for this year. I think, I think the things are lining up very positively for gold, and we'll hear from some of our guests uh, today. I think, in fact, all three of them are likely to... Agree with me on that score. Uh, we'll hear from Michael Oliver in a minute or two about that. Um, we do want to encourage you to keep your questions, uh, comments, criticisms, comments of any kind, keep them coming along to questions for Taylor at gmail.com. Questions and number four, Taylor at gmail.com. And of course, we do want to thank our sponsors for making this show possible, for making it economically viable. Sponsors for today's show are on resources, Novo Resources, Triumph Gold. Gold Mining, Inc., Uranium Energy, and Klondike Gold Corp. I've titled today's show, The Everything Bubble is Starting to Implode. Alistair McLeod, Chen Lin, and Michael Oliver, my guests today. As the late 2018 stock market decline morphs into a far more serious event than the 2008 financial crisis, at least that's the opinion of many, Uh, You will hear mainstream financial anchors declaring that no one could have seen this coming. Well, that would have been fake news because Alistair McLeod told our listeners in August that a decline was inevitable and that it would start between the fourth quarter of 2018 and mid-2019. In the second half of today's show, Alistair will explain why this meltdown was predictable and why it is most likely not yet nearly over. We will also ask him what he suggests we do to help protect our wealth uh, from the financial destruction that most likely lies ahead in this, what many people are calling the everything bubble. Right after our first commercial break, Chen Lin will be with me to share his vision of 2019 as well as taking into account his uh, insights that come from his close connections in China. His family lives there uh, and he has many close friends in China. They provide a... um, a sense of what is happening in China from uh, you, from what you might not necessarily hear in the mainstream media here, and so um, I look, really look forward to hearing what Chen has to say about his uh, top picks for 2019, and he'll be with me after our first commercial break. Now today, when the equity market uh, is bouncing back, we've had a few days now bounce back after uh, some pretty, pretty um, significant declines, I'm really pleased to have Michael Oliver with me again, and Michael especially after missing him over the past two weeks. It's really great to have him with me again today. Thanks for joining me, Michael. Good to be back, Jay. Great. It's good to be back, and it's always good to tell people that your website is OliverMSA.com, OliverMSA.com, and it's good to tell people that because you have a special uh, offer for people that are interested primarily in gold and silver and the precious metals, uh, and it's a, a much less expensive service, a very affordable service, and I hope people will uh, at least go there and check it out. Uh, Michael, um, the equity market definitely is. uh, seems as though Chairman Powell uh, sort of offered some dovish commentary recently. Uh, President Trump's been putting a lot of pressure on him to try to keep him from raising interest rates, and then when the equity markets uh, tank or get hit really hard, That really seems to be uh, put the pressure on whoever the Federal Reserve Chairman is. It seems to me that uh, Chairman Powell understands that we need to get back to letting the markets decide interest rates. um, That's really hard to do, it seems. But in any way, based on your momentum and structure analysis, whatever the politics may be, uh, are you buying the notion that the the equity bear market is over, which is what it seems as though the mainstream media would like us to believe?
3: Um, The bear market just began. Um, the top is in place. These kind of rallies that we're having now are typical of arduous tops. Uh, by arduous, I mean laborious, where they fool you for six, nine months, even after ma- making the peak of the bull market. Yeah. Before it becomes apparent to the public and analysts alike that, oh, it really is down. Uh, go back and look at the 2000 top, the 2007, eight top. I mean, it was nine months or so after the peak before it ever became Obvious, and Even then, it wasn't obvious to everybody, to, to mm-hmm. most viewers, that it was topped. Uh, mm-hmm. We're doing the same kind of thing now, and we stopped precisely where MSA had argued that the next drop would take it, namely blow out the February low. S&P low was either side of 2,550, and we'd go to 2,400 or slightly below. Well, we did one the 2,300s. And uh, mm-hmm. we have a rally now. That rally marked the spot that we thought was the most lethal place it had to stop at it, but it, it's it's not that it's, it saved itself. It's it stepped on a landmine. It should not really have gone there in the first place. Uh-huh. What it is is on annual momentum, we've returned to the same momentum levels that we did at the 2011 bottom. Remember the European debt crisis,
0: mm-hmm. which
3: was a, a, a correction within the bull trend. And the 2016 low, we just matched them on the oscillator. <laughs> and when momentum sets a triple bottom, it rarely ever Holds it. So that recent mm-hmm. low, we went down and touched what, owed for momentum, is a triple bottom, and we think mm-hmm. it's going to implode. The question mm-hmm. is, can they keep the rally together for a month or so in order to stay off the low for a month or two, or is it just is this another one of those two week flares? If you go back and look uh, since October, there've been repeated one and two week sharp rallies that just disappear after a while. And yeah. Is that is that what we're doing now, or is this going to be a little more protracted? I can't answer the question. But I can't uh-huh. say that the, the top is in place. We're going down. Uh, I think gold is going up. And I, again, we reiterate, reiterate our point we made in early December. I thought in 50 trading days, gold would be above five years worth of highs, which is to say taking out the upper 1300s. Uh, so far, we've reached 1300. And we're only about uh, 20 trading days into the into our, our uh, prediction. So we'll see. But uh, I think yeah. that's the other side of the coin.
2: Yeah, you said 50 trading days. I think you were looking at something along 1350 as being a very significant resistance yeah. level. Do I have that right?
3: That's a, that's a level that's been tapped too many times. And, uh, a child with a crayon could draw a line across a monthly gold price chart going back to uh, 2013, let's say. Every rally high from 2014, 15, 16, 17, and 18 line up. With a gradual downtrend line across them, it's almost flat, but it's slightly declining. Thirteen, uh-huh. $13. fifty. Now you're hitting the line again, uh-huh. uh, and I, I, we argue that you ever get even anywhere near, near that price line, you're just going to blow right through it. Uh, and we think there's enough momentum evidence in play already, regardless of that price level, that uh, that that price level will in fact now be attacked, and quickly. So, anyway, that's that's
2: our bet. So if we get through thirteen fifty. Um is it a a whoosh sort of a spectacle Yeah, I spectacle think it's a whoosh effect. Whoosh effect yeah. In the fact, I think getting
3: there will be a whoosh effect. So far, it's been an arm wrestling rally in gold since the August low. It was, each month is up, 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 but it's not. there's no explosion in this. It's just arm wrestling. They fight you all the way. You get bad sell-offs here and there, but it, it goes and makes a new high each time. I think there's a tipping point, and I think we're in that zone already, that... Uh, the last effort to keep this thing incremental was that selling at 1300 earlier this week. Um, I think if you go through that, you'll probably zap through the 1350 rapidly. And then where? Uh, well, the swing measurement on the, using price charts, uh, using orthodox methodology of price charts, which we don't usually yeah. do, but I tip my hat to them occasionally. Uh, it <laughs> says the next leg in gold goes to 1700 well, wow. I can argue you're not going to stop there, but that that's the first swing objective. after you come up out of this price base? Out of
2: 1350. Uh, yeah, I think 1350.
3: Be... Our our next swing objective would be to 1700. Um, wow. Maybe there's some, you know anyway, but that's enough in itself. <laughs> but of course, you're not going to stop there. We're in the the mega bull trend of gold. I think in its in its since 1975 uh, when it became legalized. I think this is the bull market in gold that will take it off the page. Because I think the world is going to change. Uh, okay, monetary so what... game-playing is over.
2: So, so when you're talking about long-term bull market, you're really talking long-term bull market here. We're talking about 1960.
3: It goes high enough to where it maybe becomes part of foreign exchange again. In other words, where uh-huh. many world currencies are backed by gold. I think mm-hmm. the game-playing of monetary game-playing is, uh, since Nixon took us off the gold standard uh, international exchange... Uh, It's been deuces wild since then, and I think there's enough people in the world, uh, even in government, who realize that this this has not worked.
2: There's
3: only one sane alternative, and that is to back your currency by something
2: like gold. Well, well, certainly the Chinese, the Russians, the various adversarial nations to the U.S. are starting Uh to do that, so it seems, uh, certainly building up their gold reserves dramatically. Um, That would be be some kind of a move, Michael, and and if it happens this year, you think, or we get, uh, I think we, do that we get, a good do,
3: portion do of this through? will happen rapidly. I don't think this is a protracted multi-year thing. Uh-huh. Uh, I think that the chaos theory enters into it here. Uh, incrementalism plays up to a point, and then I think we're facing a crisis in many markets. It's reflected in many markets, whether they're going up or they're going down because of the crisis. That speed will be a factor this time.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, the system breaks down, average. and then and and then you and then you get chaos. But so. I mean, in terms of, I mean, what is an ounce of gold? It remains the same. The dollar is what isn't fixed. The dollar—that yes. uh, is the key. So, if you're if you're talking about something like that in in gold, I would have to think the uh, the existing currencies then would be coming under a tremendous amount of pressure, and the dollar being king might be the one that's in the biggest.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think shark. that's what's going on. And gold is, uh, if you'll notice, most commodities. Well, now the food commodities are starting to assert themselves, but oil and copper, for example, have been bashed very badly this past uh, six months or so, several months or so. Uh, they had a big gain in two thousand sixteen, but they've given a lot of that back. Uh, but it's not really a commodity uprising yet. But why is it therefore gold and silver advancing? Why is gold advancing so strongly? Mm-hmm. Uh, if we don't have commodity price inflation, which is the way most people define no. inflation. Uh, it's, it's advancing because it's a monetary issue.
2: Right. Well, I, I couldn't agree no, with you more. And I'm wondering ones. just, uh, my engineer's telling me we're out of time already, but I, I do have to ask you, that, uh, gold stock's looking strong, do you narrow? Yep.
3: Yep, I GDX. like the gold stocks better than gold.
2: And, um, well, one question I have to ask you, Michael, because I'm going to ask each of my guests today, is next year at this time, equity markets higher or lower than they are today?
3: Vastly lower
2: vastly lower, not just marginally lower, vastly Not, not just, lower. just
3: lower, okay. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, all right, you won't give me a, a precise number, I suppose, and that's okay. No, I
3: won't, no, because it, it's it's too dark to talk about. <laughs> okay.
2: All right, well, I don't know if we want to laugh about that. We live in big in times, minute. we
3: live in big times,
2: okay. We, yeah, but I think you're right, and it's, uh, uh it, it causes a certain amount of anxiety, I must say, and yours truly, I, uh, I, I do worry about a lot of the things that are transpiring, but in any event, uh, Michael, thank you very much for your time and offering your, your thoughts. Not only your thoughts, but your thoughts are based on uh, the numbers that that um, and your own proprietary te- uh, methods that you have devised over the years, and I've just found them to be so accurate and so helpful to me, uh, so that's why I'm really glad that you can be with us. Uh, all thank the best Jake. to you, Michael, and I hope we can talk again next week. week. All righty. All right, folks, well, don't go away. My friend Chen Lin's going to be with us, and He's going to give his perspectives on uh, 2019, and he'll bring um, some unique perspectives uh, from China, where he has family and friends, uh, and he stays very plugged in to what's going on in China. So don't go away. We'll be right back after the commercial break with Chen Lin.
0: Noble Resources Corp trades on the OTCQX under the symbol NSRPF and on the TSX Venture Exchange under NVO. Its flagship assets are located in the Karatha region of Western Australia, where they are currently drilling and trenching their Purdy's reward project. In addition, Novo has partnered with Sumitomo Mining Corporation to advance its Beaton's Creek Gold project toward production. With over $70 in cash and strong shareholder support from the likes of Kirkland Lake Gold, Novo is well on its way to establishing itself as one of the top junior explorers and developers in Australia. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
2: Welcome back to Turning Hard Times to Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have Chen Lin with me once again. Chen is a a good friend of mine. I met him a number of years ago, quite a few years ago, actually more than a decade ago, uh, and learned to know him. Uh, He is a a very successful investor. Uh, He works really hard, but he thinks uh, he's a unique thinker. Um, He does his own work, he doesn't sit around and wait for other people to tell him what to do. Uh, But he has been so successful. And he does provide his information to uh, inf- to investors who are willing to pay uh, the fees for his service, which are well, they're not they're not out of this world. But uh, you need a, a a portfolio that is uh, significant enough to justify, uh, but uh, really very reasonably priced given the quality of information that Chen provides. Chen, thanks so much for coming on with me again today.
4: Thank you, Jay. Pleasure to be here again.
2: Pleasure to be here, and it's also a pleasure to tell people to subscribe to your letter. They should go to chenpix.com, chen, C-H-E-N, pix.com. Um Chen, let's uh, cut right to the chase. What is your outlook for the equity markets this year, 2019?
4: I'm quite concerned about the equity market, as we saw the rapid decline uh, in the last quarter, in the last three months. Now we're having a rebound, so basically usually at least they will go down to retest the low. And uh, it, there's a lot of margin that, if you look at the big picture, the margin that's still very high and the leverage in the system's still very high. So one day, if things go down, can go down very, very hard. So I'm not here to predict when it will happen because it's very hard to time it. it it's a more about confidence and also about a lot of factors the trade deal, the Fed action, so on, and so forth, and even the government, right? So, right. Uh, so, uh, so I, I, well, twenty twenty election also another factor. So, th- there's so many factors, very hard to time in. My point is, I'm looking for opportunities in the market and, and trying to profit from it, and then tr- hopefully, my pro- uh, su- subscriber will profit from it as well.
2: Well, every day, of course, uh, things change, and so I know that you're factoring like a. Uh I think you have one of the most remarkable uh, computer brains that I've, of anybody I've learned to know. I don't know how you can how how you can take in so many factors, Jen, and uh, and and you know and know what to do uh, and be as successful as you as you have been. Uh, how do you quantify? I mean, I'm not asking you to answer this because I don't think you can, but somehow you you see the world as it is. You you have all these inputs. Uh, and your mind is working all all the time in in assessing the markets and where you want to put your money next and where you should be and shouldn't be, you are not this kind of ideologue or the kind of person that I am. I am really a gold bug. I have certain views about the way the world should be, Then a lot of times I try to believe that the world is the way I would like it to be and think it should be, And that isn't the best way to be. You are much more open-minded about things. So I was quite surprised in your 2019 uh, outlook uh, that you sent to your subscribers. You stated, and I quote, there is only one trade here, buy gold. Now, I was a little surprised to hear you say that because I know you make money in the biotech sector and the energy sector. As you just said, you're looking at markets. You're always looking at um, constantly changing environments. Uh, For the markets that you're uh, and you're always looking for new opportunities. But why are you so strong about gold? Uh, Why are you so positive about gold? At least you were uh, when you wrote your 2019 outlook a, a few days ago.
4: Oh, thank you, Jay. Actually, that was quoted my letter in the beginning of uh, December. So, actually, that was like the, the, the darkest moment of the market. At that time, gold was trading about $100 lower. Um, okay. So, th- the setup on that was uh, the trade war between U.S. and China, uh, actually <coughs> mm-hmm. getting uh, much worse. So, my calculation at that time was, if the trade war really breaks out, right, uh, the United States, China will be weakened. Dramatically, right? U.S. also going to be weakened. So, I, uh-huh. my calculation is a three to one. So, it hurt China three times, hurt the U.S. one time. Uh-huh. So, then both countries will be hurt. Economy will going down, and the beneficial actually will be a country like Vietnam, like Mexico, even EU and Japan because they can benefit from the trade war. And so, the one uh, conclusion I draw would be that the dollar will be weakened. Right at that time, remember at the beginning of December dollar was rising sharply, so dollar will be weakened, economic will going down, which means the Fed will stop raising interest rate, right, or almost stop. So that's my conclusion, and I would just tell subscribers that's uh, actually almost exactly one month ago, buy gold, that was the only trade, because market is coming down, it's time to buy. Uh, I even put in my newsletter, I was watching my son's basketball game, I just used my cell phone to buy. I bought as much as gold, you know, future as possible. So, uh-huh. uh, what's good trade? Uh, you know, look back. Uh, you know, it's up a lot. Also bought a lot of uh, 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 stocks and co cool options, and you know, so on and so forth. They're all up a lot. Uh, right now, actually, gold is hitting a resistance, thirteen hundred. So mm-hmm. my expectation is we should get over the thirteen hundred. Okay, with you know, the, uh, I and then if that's over, the next stop. Important would be uh, 1375 to 1400. If gold is really over that range, actually is about 1800 Canadian dollars, you can see that gold really breaks out. Okay, it breaks mm-hmm. out. That's a very, very significant uh, mm-hmm. uptrend. So oh, that, there's yeah. a lot of factors moving. There's a lot of factors. I mentioned in my newsletter that the, the, the scenario always play devil's advocate. What scenario that gold may not shine as we hoped. You no, uh-huh. This could be, uh, You know, the somehow, it, it you know the, the, well. It's actually right now looks likely. There, there's a very they, they have a very good trade deal with China and U.S. By the end of the deadline, which is end of February, they reach mm-hmm. a deal. Somehow, economy looks good, and then the Fed raises interest again in March. It, it, uh-huh. Is it possible? probably possible it's possible a very low chance but that that's the thing we need to guard against right because from trading from investment point of view we up so much in the past month i just hate to to give back my my profit (laughs) Uh that's the thing uh, i'm looking but uh, other than that if we get to march and the fed probably will wait and see and then that's Actually, we will have a green line. You know, right now, probably go is hitting a resistance, and we try to consolidate around here.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: All right. So, uh, do you think that uh, Chair- the Chairman Powell has uh, capitulated a little bit here? They, with the equity markets so weak, uh, obviously, there's some things that have happened transpired. Uh, the Fed, uh, the Fed remarks uh, that have come out uh, seem to suggest that maybe. Chairman Powell will back away from raising interest rates here, and in fact, they were predicting three rate rises, and now it's two. Or do you expect even fewer than that this year?
4: Well, I expect probably zero. Okay, but zero depends d- depend on many factors. Right? Depend, as I said, depends on the economic data, depends on these other, and then China is printing money like crazy, so without really. Help the economy or not, uh, you know. There's a lot of things to see. Uh, you, I guess it's just you have to wait, you know, to see when we're getting close to uh, to March. But, but but my my view is they probably won't raise uh, interest rate in March, and that that's it. That's it for the year.
2: Okay. Well, we'll have to see if that's uh, if that's the way it is. It should be bullish, but um, who knows for sure? Nobody knows for sure, Chen. But you certainly. Uh, and, and, again, if we were to talk to you next week, you'd probably have some more variables that you're watching, some different ones. So it is very right, dynamic. There's and
4: many variables. So my point yeah. is, the, the point uh, I put in my New Year outlook, which I put out in early December, was that the, if the trade war, the best trade against the trade war is gold, uh, there's only one trade there. Because there's so many factors. And, plus, we just learned China's central bank just bought gold first time in Mm -hmm. two years, right, in December. Mm -hmm. So that's another factor because last time China bought 25 million ounces of gold in two years, right? So now if they start buying, this is a new trend. They only bought like a a little bit over a quarter million ounces of gold. So that's a lot of (laughs) gold, you know, a lot of gold to buy. So that's another factor to consider, right? So, that you know, I I need to watch it if it's a trend. I think it probably is a trend.
2: Of course, uh, whether China is buying, China is buying real physical gold, and we know that the price of gold isn't necessarily governed only by the physical movements of gold. It has more to do with the banks buying and selling in the futures markets. But anyway, I want to ask you about energy, Chen. Are what do you what do you see for the energy markets in 2019? Oil's gotten hit pretty hard in 2018.
4: Right, right, right. Oil got to hit pretty hard. Uh, this is go with the world economy. Uh, so far in the past few years every year the oil demand increased by 1 million barrel a day right so <laughs> it depends on your point of view of uh, economy i think oil probably on the low side and then on the high side okay and uh, the the oil no longer controlled by the OPEC. it's more controlled mm-hmm. by the fracking in the united states right now it's almost 8 million barrel per day so basically if you stop fracking you stop continue drilling the, the oil will drop drop dramatically. So mm-hmm. the dynamic of oil is very different than ten years ago. Uh, right. So the, so there, there, there so there, there is um, you know and then we we, we U S is growing like a a million almost a million barrel a day so take out all these uh, excess uh, demand around the world. So what if the demand getting weakened, right? So that's the question. But I think it's probably on the low side and the high side. Uh, my philosophy, I put it on my. Uh, letter in past three years is like, a, you know, forget about high oil price because of fracking revolution. Uh, well, let's invest in something slightly different. I'm looking at the natural gas, not gas in the U.S. or Canada where fracking is dominating. Let's look at the fracking outside uh, mm-hmm. U.S. Uh, and Canada. So I have mm-hmm. investment in, in natural gas in Colombia. I have a very exciting one. In Turkey, right? That it could be the first major fracking uh, discovery in the Europe continent. Mm-hmm. Okay, that, that's mm-hmm. the Valera and Transatlantic, and then also have uh, in Indonesia. That's also gas and oil, that's Pan Orient. So, and also mm-hmm. another natural gas is in. Um, uh, Ukraine, another place has very high natural gas price. Uh, mm-hmm. Why I invest in natural gas? Because natural gas costs about the four dollar MCF to ship. You know, to liquid natural gas to ship. So that maintain a local very stable uh, floor of the natural gas price, which is at least five dollar per MCF outside the U.S. where the, the in demand. And some most places right now is seven to nine MCF. That should make a very high margin uh, for natural okay. gas player. All right, Chen, so we're,
2: we're just about out of time. What about biotechs? Because you, you, you've done so well in biotechs. They were very strong for you during the first uh, three quarters of 2018, but you had a tougher fourth quarter. Uh, do you have some some special biotech stocks you've got your eyes on as we head into this year?
4: Oh, yes, exactly. I, I, as I mentioned, I, I was looking for a Biopack to rebound into the J.P. Morgan Conference, which is going on right now. It did rebound. Uh-huh. So I kind of shuffle, reshuffle mine, and I have some uh, very near-term catalysts. One is Adara, one is Cotian. Uh, I mean, so those have a very near-term catalysts coming in the next weeks, even, you know, a few, even days. So mm-hmm. I, I'm looking for that, and uh, hopefully, you know, the catalysts will come in as we hoped, and then we can ride from there. So, so that, that's what I'm looking because the market risks. It's getting high. So, um, actually, I'm lighting, uh, using, I bought it and uh, late last year, and I have kind of, uh, when the rebound kind of lighting up some, but the focus on a uh, company with very uh, good near-term catalyst.
2: Excellent. All right. Um, I guess we'll have to leave it go at that. You, you want to mention one name uh, in the, uh, among the gold and silver stocks? That, what would be your, one of your top picks there?
4: Oh, I'm very excited about uh, Pritian. uh There is an article just this week said Barrick is looking to buy a Canadian uh, a single mine project, or a single project. And then they they I asked, oh, is a pay- Pritian? And it is said, maybe. So actually, it fit Barrick pretty well because Barrick has a headquarters in Canada, has no mining in Canada, so they have a uh, expense. At least you won't have oh. a re- you know profit, so you know to pay less tax. So mm-hmm. looks good. Uh, looks good fit uh, to to Barrick, and uh, hopefully, it will be taken out in the next few months, just like uh, the other miners I have. You know, the Tahoe got taken out.
2: Right, exactly. Well, thank you, uh, Chen. We we're out of time. Uh, we'll have to have you back and, and get some more of your stock picks uh, in the near future. Thanks so much for being with us today, and uh, look to do it again in the near future.
4: Thank you, Jay. All right,
2: folks. Well, we do have to go to break now, but don't go away. Alistair McLeod will be with us to give us his views on the stock, bond, and precious metals markets as we head into 2019. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
0: gold holds a 100 percent interest in the district-scale free gold mountain gold copper project in yukon with a government-maintained road accessing their 200 square kilometer property the 2018 drill program has resulted in exciting discoveries to date hitting the richest intersection ever in a porphyry system in yukon the company is well funded and has a large institutional holding including gold corp and zidgin mining triumph trades on the tsx venture under the symbol tig and the otc markets tigcf the website is triumphgoldcorp.com gold mining inc ticker symbol g-o-l-d on the tsx and g-l-d-l-f on the otc is the biggest bet for gold investors and legendary investors like doug casey rick rule and Marin Katusa, who put millions of dollars into backing the company, along with institutional investors. The insiders own over 20%. Gold mining has strong cash and no debt. It's one of the top 1% of gold companies that has over 20 million ounces of gold resources. Visit goldmining.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
1: Welcome
2: back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me a very frequent guest on this show, Alistair McLeod, who uh, writes a weekly written commentary. There's a written commentary every week uh, at goldmoney.com, and I always enjoy them. Uh, if you're really interested in the, uh, uh, the dynamics underneath the markets, what causes things to happen uh, in the markets, not just the direction of things, but why are they happening I don't know of anyone better than Alistair McLeod to help us understand that. So thanks for joining me again, Alistair and happy new year to you.
5: That's my pleasure, Jay and happy new year to you and uh, all your listeners. Well, we, uh, we hope it will be a happy new year.
2: There's certainly a lot of things on the world scene that, uh, can cause some anxiety. I know you're uh, over there in England. Uh, things are changing there fairly rapidly as well. You've got Brexit, you've got a lot of immigrants, you've got a lot of things going on. The world does seem to be changing fairly rapidly. And, uh, All of that sort of comes together in a way uh, to affect markets, I suppose. But I'd like to focus on on a couple of your recent articles that you've written. Uh, One you wrote called "The Arrival of the Credit Crisis." Uh, That was the most. uh, It was in uh, late towards the end of December, I think, December twenty seventh. And then one you just wrote on the third of this year. Markets are all about flows. Uh, In the October, in another another one was October eleventh that I'm looking at here. You said, we are on the verge of moving into an era of high interest rates, so markets will behave differently from any time since the early 1980s. I'd like to play devil's advocate uh, to start with here and just ask you, what makes you so sure that we're heading into an era of higher interest rates? Not just, uh, I guess not just a a momentary blip up, but something much longer term, if I understand you properly. What makes you so sure that that's where we're
5: headed? Well, it's, it's a number of factors, Jay. I mean, one is that interest rates can't go any lower. Now, I do not. Um, I, I will not accept that negative interest rates are realistic. They really are not. Uh, and uh, if anyone, any central bank pushes interest rates into negative territory, then actually what they're doing is they're putting a tax on deposits, um, mm-hmm. and uh, that's the way to look at it. Um, so that's that's one thing. The, the other, the other thing, which I think is desperately important, is that we seem to think that uh, the rate of inflation. Um, I'm talking about the rates of price inflation. Right. Uh, is in the order of uh, sort of two, three percent, or whatever the the um, uh, BEA say it is. It is not. It is closer to ten percent. The only reason we accept that 2-3% figure is that we want to believe in it, and we have no reason really to question it. Um, But I can tell you from my own personal experience that uh, over in here here in England, prices in the last year have really started rising. Um, But, of course, it's never an even picture because uh, I go out to a restaurant and I find I'm paying about 50% more for the same food that um, I was paying say two or three years ago or four years Mm -hmm. ago but on the other hand the price of petrol has fallen so you know when you put all this into an index um, uh, you can sort of play around with the construction of it and all the rest of it and you can fool everybody that the rate of inflation is two or three percent and that basically Mm -hmm. is what we want to believe now um, that is fine so long as asset prices continue to rise and I'm talking mainly about financial assets but also So residential property, you know, we we we, we stomach the extra uh, price increases, and we all moan that, of course, prices rising faster than they they uh-huh. say. But basically, in our financial decisions, we accept that the rate is two or three percent, or whatever the last figure was. Uh-huh. But as soon as as soon as the amount of money flowing into financial assets starts slowing and beginning to contract we then see the wheels coming off the wagon. And we think to ourselves, what is the rate of inflation? Do we really believe this? Mm -hmm. Is the level of interest rate sufficient to compensate us for the loss of purchasing power of our currency over the time period in which we're putting it out? No, it's not. We're being screwed here. We're being screwed very badly by misleading statistics. Now, as soon as we start (coughs) thinking that, Then we begin to um, uh, uh, understand that we need far higher interest rates to compensate us for the loss of purchasing power of our currency. Otherwise, we just dump the currency. And at some stage, If they don't put up interest rates enough or the market doesn't put up interest rates enough, then uh, that is broadly what's going to happen. And that fundamentally is the reason that I think that interest rates are going to rise and they're going to go considerably higher than anybody in the markets at this moment in time thinks is either reasonable or possible.
2: Well, certainly governments demand for money. The treasuries in the United States, uh, we're looking at Mr. Trump's deficits Uh, We're looking, I think, Alistair right now, at something like $22 trillion, or we're approaching $22 trillion in federal debt in the United States. Um, That means that a 1% interest rate will increase our interest expense by $220 billion a year without any additional benefits to the citizens of the United States. Um, It seems to me that and, and then we go on with, our, with the demographics in the United States, and I, I suppose some of these same factors are coming to play uh, in Europe and in England, where you have an aging population as well. Um, and so it seems to me the demand for money from the United States government, and I would suspect from European governments as well, is
5: also growing very dramatically. Am I right about that? Yes, you're spot on. And uh, the other thing about it is that um, we have got this, I I know this is something that we have talked about in the past and it's something you referred to in your introduction. We have a credit cycle and the credit cycle plays havoc with government finances. Now, where we are in that credit cycle, and I'm sure that you'll come up with questions to pin this down a bit more, but where we are um, is uh, we are on the precipice, if you like, of uh, a coming crisis and uh, um, I think we have seen the top in equity markets. We have seen, definitely seen uh, the top in bonds, though there has been a good rally in bond prices fall in bond yields, that that is beginning to reverse itself a little bit again. So you've got these counter-trend rallies, but it is clear that the uh, we have seen the peak in the value of financial assets, and uh, from there, uh, as they start going down, I think you'll find that um, that will then feed into the underlying economy. We've already seen in, this, in December uh, uh, loans to industry have more or less dried up. Uh, when you look at uh, bond issuance uh, for investment grade loans and so on and so forth, um, uh, that really has dried up. And consequently, there is no new capital flowing into industry. So um, from the point of view of Main Street Main Street suddenly is beginning to be hit quite hard by developments in uh, Wall Street. And consequently, uh, you're going to get a recession. Now, we'll call it a recession. Um, Let's not assume it's a slump at this stage, though I Mm -hmm. think that's inevitably what's likely to happen. You get a downturn in the economy, then uh, uh, President Trump's uh, borrowing is going to actually rise quite steeply. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, think actually, that the U.S. (laughs) banks are reasonably well capitalized to handle that. But what it will mean is that they will draw in their horns a lot more rapidly than, um, let's say, when when they were caught with their trousers down uh, uh, by the subprime crisis. Um, This time, they will see the quality of uh, their loan books deteriorating, and they will try and draw in their horns very, very quickly. So that would speed up, if you like. This is why it tends to crash rather than just gently subside. I think the real problem is not so much in America. Uh, There I can see the situation which, um, uh, you know, we touched on about rising interest rates. I can see the banks surviving, rising interest rates, and interest rates that continue to rise to territory which nobody considers reasonable at this moment. The problem, I don't think, is the American banking system. The problem, I think, is the Eurozone, Hmm. the Eurozone in particular. Uh, is undercapitalized to take a rise in government bond yields, a rise in government bond yields yields to a substantial fall in the prices of government debt. The eurozone banks are all loaded up with government debt, and the reason they're loaded up with government debt is partly because the ECB has been underwriting that debt by, uh, with its asset purchase programs, which mm-hmm. incidentally came to an end in December. They're Mm -hmm. now out of the market. So those prices now have got to uh, stand up against further issuance, um, against, uh, you know, outside uh, factors and all the rest of it without the ECB supporting the prices so that's that 's the first thing. The second thing is that those banks who've been supporting the government have been doing so very much at the expense of uh, making capital available mm-hmm. to uh, businesses in the private sector, so you 've got this um, you 've got no depth in effect in the economy now you 're not going to see I think a real crisis in the private sector. The crisis is in that relationship between the ECB uh, supporting prices through its bond purchase programs. Uh, the, the the commercial banks who are loaded up on this debt, which incidentally uh, has no uh, haircut, risk hair, haircut mm-hmm. uh, uh, under um, uh, uh, the, the banking regulations rules. And uh, thirdly, you've got the governments whose appetite for issuing more debt is, I'm afraid, likely to increase very rapidly um, against the background of uh, the ECB removing its 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 guarantee on the prices. So. Uh, You've got this combination of events coming together, which I think early in 2019 could very rapidly lead to um, uh, an escalation, if you like, of the credit crisis that I foresee. But underlying it is a question of flows, where the money flows. Money is no longer going to be flowing into government bonds in the way it was. That could turn around quite quickly. And uh, so I think that that's that's going to get the crisis going in Europe. <coughs> going back to America, you know, what do the banks do? The banks sit there, they see risk uh, escalating on all sides. They try and draw in their horns. So you can find, you, you will find that uh, a stock market route turns very quickly into uh, a route on, on Main Street. And, of course, we've always got that other unknown, um, the derivatives. I mean, there are enormous derivative positions. Now, a lot of these don't really matter. But um, when you have counterparty risk with a, an outfit like Deutsche Bank, mm-hmm. which may, you know, which will have to be rescued, let's, let's, let, let's be blunt about it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be a lot of uncertainty as to what actually happens to the, you know, that chain of counterparties in these enormous, enormous quantities of derivatives. Mm-hmm. Um so, you, you go so, so yeah, so, so, so putting it all together, um I just see, as we're going into 2019, because the amount of money that is being contracted, and incidentally, the Fed is doing exactly the same, uh, uh, trying to Mm -hmm. reduce its balance sheet. Mm -hmm. Um, I just see this money being sucked out of, uh, the new money being sucked out of, or no longer being made available to uh, support financial asset prices, and the knock-on effects on the underlying economy are all bound to be negative. On the real economy. Yes.
2: And... um well, the, the illiquidity, then, is what we're talking about again. And uh, as you've pointed out, um, there is a time to be long stocks. Uh, it certainly doesn't seem to be now. But there will be a washout here uh, that will perhaps provide an opportunity again. Um, or do you see this as, uh, as something more significant, this, uh, this bubble,
5: this uh, cycle? I hope it won't be more significant, but I think there is a a big risk that it will be. Um, I have two reference points on this. One is the 1929 experience uh, when the Smoot-Hawley legislation began to be passed through your um, houses. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think on the 31st of uh, October 29 was the first uh, set of um, uh, legislation in connection with Smoot-Hawley that was went through the mm-hmm. House. That was anticipated by the markets. The markets knew this would pass, and guess what? October twenty nine was an extremely bad month in the stock market because mm-hmm. people sold. We had the same thing over um, uh, America and China. Which they're trying to resolve at the moment. I mean, I think, I think on a positive. I think uh, perhaps uh, uh, President Trump has either learned or been educated quite rapidly that uh, this idea of um, you know a trade war is, is the easiest war to win <laughs> is not yeah. actually quite true. Um, so anyway, that's one point of, point of reference I have. The other is probably less familiar to your listeners, and that is my experience as a stockbroker in the early 1970s in in London. Uh, The situation was very, very similar. We had a wind-up into um, uh, a market peak in 1972, which basically was a suppression of interest rates. It was the expansion of um, uh, of uh, uh, money into into the economy. The economy was flooded with money uh, in the in the early 1970s, from Mm -hmm. between seventy and seventy seventy one that sort of thing. Interest rates started rising. The result was that the, the um, gilt market, which is our government bonds, uh, peaked um, uh, in the tail end of 1971, and then in May 72, equity markets peaked. Now, from there, we started entering a, a bear market. And I do remember um, talking to an industrialist uh, who uh, – in this was um, in – uh, I think it was it was it was early early 1973, and he said to me that business was booming. They were doing so well. They had an order book that they'd never seen, and yet the stock market was going down. What on earth was the London Stock Exchange doing, permitting this to happen? It rather uh, showed his ignorance as to how markets worked. But um, it was clear that um, the market was seeing ahead, and it was looking 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 through the boom, as it were, Mm -hmm. but the reason it did that was because the money had moved out of the stock market into the real economy. Mm -hmm. We have had that same thing developing uh, Mm -hmm. gradually, if you like, uh, in really over 2018, maybe Mm -hmm. from uh, late 2017. Mm -hmm. Now, the problem in the UK... Uh, was made worse because we had an oil crisis, admittedly. And Mm -hmm. uh, in October 1973, the oil price was raised quite sharply. Uh, The Bank of England had to raise interest rates to try and curtail the inflationary effects, but more importantly, help the government sell government debt which uh, was getting stuck you know nobody mm-hmm. was buying it um, so we had funding dislocation which is something we ought to bear in mind about 2019 mm-hmm. that funding dislocation led to a rise in interest rates in late October 1973 that led to a banking crisis a property crisis commercial property crashed to virtually valueless um, mm. almost overnight and um, what we call secondary banks, in other words, not the top big banks, the clearing banks, but the ones Mm -hmm. which specialised in commercial property lending went bust. And uh, a lifeboat operation was launched. We called it the lifeboat, basically to try and save depositors in these banks. Um, And uh, the result was that we had a a bear market in stocks which lost, uh, including uh, the inflationary effect, 80% from that 1972 high. Wow. Now I had these two events in my mind. I have mm-hmm. got, I can't get it out of my mind. I've got the mm-hmm. uh, twenty nine crash on Wall Street, mm-hmm. and I've Smooth got holly. my experience in the early seventies. Mm-hmm. The ta-
2: the uh, the trade war back then, trade war now. Yes, and also, yes. so, Alistair, what you saw though, money was being pumped into the system, and yet rates continued to rise. And I remember well, that was the case in the U.S. in the late seventies as well. Yeah. Uh, it seemed as though the real interest rates, until Volcker came in in 1980, the real interest rates were were negative, really, uh, very low or negative. Uh, and then, of course, you know, because inflation kept rising very dramatically in the U.S. in the late 70s, uh, and then Volcker came in and put his foot on the on the brakes uh, and stopped the growth of money. And we had enormously high rates. Do you see something like that happening again
5: in well, the U.S.? <laughs> um. I think Volcker's uh, uh, task, if you like, to to uh, increase the preference for for holding money, which is really what it was about, was relatively easy compared to what the central banks face today. I mean, in those days, Volcker put up the rates. I think he hit the peak in about 1980, 81. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the result was that the savings and loan industry went bust. Yeah, <laughs> and, that's right. Uh, we, 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 you know. <laughs> so it was it was broadly contained to that one thing now the thing that's interesting is that the growth in in money supply didn't falter at all through all that experience so mm-hmm. while you had the higher interest rates, they were still feeding money into the system mm-hmm. uh, one way or the other to try and stop uh, businesses going bankrupt. Uh, but the, the, um, uh, the interest rate dependent business of the savings and loans institutions basically were wiped out. Now, imagine, imagine 20% interest rates today with the level of consumer indebtedness, with uh, the debt trap governments would really find themselves in. The only thing that can happen is to collapse the currency. I cannot see any other way out of that problem. So we hope we don't get that bad, but I'm beginning to see these dangers.
2: Alistair, with just about three minutes left, you mentioned the debt trap. Talk to our listeners about the dynamics underlying the debt trap. uh, And then what are the repercussions of it with with three minutes left?
5: Well, it's very simple. Uh, A debt trap is something you get into when you borrow more than you can afford to repay. We've been uh, doing that a long time. We've been doing that a long time, as you rightly say. But as well as that, what then happens, um, and it's always very unfortunate, you find that interest rates rise. And so what you thought was affordable is no longer affordable. Mm -hmm. And as interest rates rise, uh, then suddenly you can't repay your debts. And that inevitably leads to some sort of moratorium, which either is an agreement between creditors and debtors or... um, one side goes bankrupt or both sides go bankrupt, which is the case in the private sector. But when it comes to governments, basically that uh, slack, if you like, or the the uh, um, problem is dealt with by uh, a, a fall in the purchasing power of the currencies and a loss of confidence in them.
2: Right. When people, when they can, government can no longer roll over their debts. People lose confidence. They have to print the money. Uh, in order
5: to pay the pay the bills that they have. Well, um, I, I would I would just amend that slightly. Um, the purchasing power of a fiat currency can collapse to zero without any increase in its quantity. Mm-hmm. What really matters is the confidence, confidence that yep. that paper actually uh, can be used uh, to settle transactions and at a rate which is uh, acceptable to both parties. Okay. In one minute,
2: what should our listeners be doing right now?
5: Well, um, the, the the history of all this, when we've when we ever see these things happen, um, and there's a flight out of paper currency, uh, and I'm not I'm not forecasting this yet. I just, I'm just saying that the possibility of it is far greater. Uh, top dog as an asset is obviously gold.
2: Hmm. That's
5: uh, that's historically uh, correct. That's what's what's worked
2: because gold is real money. Yeah. Uh, its value doesn't change. Um, yeah. Unlike fiat money. So. Uh, I think that's what we need to do, and obviously goldmoney.com is one place people can go, but more importantly, they can go there to read your commentary every week. Thank you again, Alistair, for being with us. Always good to have your insights.
5: That was my pleasure, Ray.
2: Okay, well, folks, uh, that is all the time we have for this week. Uh, Next week, we'll be talking to uh, Bob Moriarty. He'll be my main guest. Uh, Michael Oliver will be back. Until then, Happy New Year to all of you, and uh, God's blessings. (music)
0: Recently, three of the largest gold mining companies announced strategic acquisitions in the Yukon Territories. Ahead of them was a group who had already consolidated the key claims covering the historic Klondike Gold Rush into one company, aptly named Klondike Gold Corps. Led by a team of accomplished geoscientists, the company is steadily advancing exploration to reveal the rich source of all that gold. The hunt for the next major discovery is well underway, and Klondike Gold's shareholders are strategically positioned. Stay ahead of the majors and follow KlondikeGoldCorp.com.
4: Often referred to as one of the best teams in junior gold exploration, having discovered a five million ounce gold mine and sold a second company amidst discovery, the management behind Orin Resources now has a world-class exploration portfolio within Canada and Peru. Projects that give the company one of the largest direct pipelines for major discoveries globally with one of the deepest technical teams to explore them. Entering into its third year of aggressive pursuit, ORIN is expecting results from two of their major projects throughout the rest of this year. For the latest, head to orinresources.com and subscribe.